It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. Woo! Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Faulkner, joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeff Faulkner. Jeff, episode 52. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, not too bad, big fella. You know, it's been a week. We were just chatting before we pressed record here. It's... Uh... Dealing with some scary weather up here in my neck of the woods. We had a tornado touchdown not far from our house. Like uh, last week, it was like you know four blocks away from us, so that's too close for comfort. And uh, yeah, I drove through some heavy weather on the way home from work today too. So uh, Mother Nature's not in a good mood, but uh, I am, and we got episode fifty-two here. We got lots to talk about, and I'm approaching my summer holidays, my vacations next week. So I just you know I'm counting down the minutes till that. But uh, we got the lots to talk about before then. How are you doing? How was your week, bud, big fella? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Like we we're um, just talking before the show, been spending a lot of time down at the beach, which was nice. Um, we uh, got together with a couple of friends. Things are starting to open up a little bit, and uh, we've got some, uh, you know, got some friends in town, which is nice to to see some familiar faces again, and just putting in quality time with the boys. We've got uh, Timbit soccer happening every Monday, which is a lot of fun. Our oldest is enjoying that, and. Uh, yeah, we had, I was uh, trying to lead a drill um, about dribbling around cones without touching anybody or bumping into anybody or running over any cones, and I had 51 four-year-olds, so uh, yeah, you can imagine how successful that might have gone, but uh, Is you know that what? true? Is it? Or is that oh, yeah. No, that's the that's the truth. They didn't cap the numbers. Now, we split them in half, so it was 26 and 26, but uh they didn't cap the numbers this year because um, they didn't want to say no to any of the any of the kids who were trying to sign up. So yeah, we've got wow. we've got fifty one four year olds right now in the development program. Well, get them out there, get them active. I like it. It's uh, get them playing some sports. Oh yeah, fifty one's insane though. That just I mean, you said you don't get you guys don't play games. I can only imagine if you did just fifty one little ones chasing the ball all over the field. Oh yeah, it's impossible because they've all got the same color jersey on too. So it's just like a it's just like a purple storm cloud chasing you around the field. It's hilarious. Well, yeah, you know, I mentioned storm clouds. You just said it again. I want to tell a quick story about tornadoes because I kind of got in some trouble with my wife this week. Um, so I, I don't know if you remember this. When I was really young, like four years old, our house in London, Ontario, got flattened by a tornado. And um, so ever since, I've kind of had this thing where I'm not worried about them. And on Thursday, the weather was coming in. We're getting the updates on the phone. The weather alerts are coming, you know, take shelter. And I'm joking with my wife about how, what are the chances (laughs) of somebody in their lifetime getting hit by a tornado twice? So I'm like out on the back deck screaming at the storm like, Lieutenant Dan, like, is that all you got? But my wife's like quivering in the corner of the basement. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, it touched down pretty close to home, so I shouldn't joke around with that anymore. And uh, I hope everybody is safe and sound because it was pretty devastating, and, and we've been there before. It's it's not a fun situation. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, for those people that were affected, um, you know, up in Barrie and around the area, um, all the best to them as they, you know, try to figure things out, I guess, and uh, literally pick up the pieces. But, uh, yeah, anyways, we've got some, uh, got a lot to talk about tonight, actually. Uh, We had some news break today that we're going to get to in a few minutes, and uh, we've got the rest of our wide receiver rankings, volume two, coming up. But uh, before we get down to business, if you're new to the show, welcome. And uh, to everybody listening, uh, make sure that wherever you're listening, you subscribe and download. Um, If you're on Apple, you rate and review. Um, And most importantly, you know, we talk about every week. You can really help us out by talking about and sharing the show. 
Um, draft season is just around the corner, and we said it before. We'll say it again. Fantasy champions start putting in the work right now. So we're talking your coworkers, your league mates, your friends, your families, anybody really. We are uh, we're looking for you to help spread the word, help grow uh, the audience of the Fantasy Falcon Football Podcast. We love doing it. We love hearing from the listeners, and uh, we wanna we wanna grow the pool of Falcon Maniacs a little bit. Um, but this week we're actually also asking for something else, uh, a little extra something you can do for us. If you haven't had a chance yet. Uh, head over to Instagram and Twitter and follow us at Falcomaniacs. Um, and then when you see new posts that you like, when you see new posts that we put out there, um, we usually have an episode preview. We usually recap a couple of things. We've been doing our rankings posts. Uh, do us a favor and share it. You can retweet it. You can repost it. You can add it to your stories on Instagram and Facebook. Um, that's just going to help us, you know, get the word out and, and get more, uh, more people listening and, uh, help us, I guess, grow the community of fantasy Falcon champions. So, uh, yeah, this is the time of year when people need, uh, people need some help and they're starting their draft prep and we want the podcast to be part of their program. Yeah, we sure do. And like you said, draft season is right around the corner. Draft prep is happening. Uh, you know, we're both in a couple of dynasty keeper leagues and the trade chatter, I don't know, on my end anyways, has just been nonstop for the last three, four five days now. So it's it's only going to heat up and, and, you know, decisions are going to have to be made quickly and you want to be informed when you make those decisions. So make sure you tune in and yeah, like Kyle said, share with your friends and, and enemies and just uh, let's grow this so we can continue to help everybody in the industry. It's a lot of fun for us and we, we hope you guys are having fun listening to it as well. All right, buddy. Like I said, you said it already. It's episode number 52. Let's get to our jersey swap. Uh, you know, I was excited about this this number when we when I started to put the list together. I knew a lot of them off uh, offhand because, well, one of my favorite players ever, even though he's on a rival team, wore this number. But uh, number 52, let's go through them. We had Khalil Mack of the Bears or Raiders, Clay Matthews Jr., Ray Lewis, who is uh, the guy I'm talking about, he's just one of my favorite players ever to watch, even though he was on the wrong side of the field usually, uh, or always. Um, Jamal Wilkes, the Los Angeles Lakers, the only basketball Hall of Famer in the uh, in basketball Hall of Fame to wear that number was Jamal Wilkes, another guy I never heard of. J- Greg Oden, who was a former first overall pick, uh, who didn't pan out. I think that would just kind of be a cool jersey. Um, in the NHL, we have Adam Foote or Mike Green. And then in baseball, Jonas Cespedes, CC Sabathia, and this one was... Shocking. So in 1998, at the end of the year, Roy Halladay came up and made two starts, and he wore number 52. And <laughs> then the next year, yeah, I was shocked. I was like, this can't be right. And then I Googled it and researched it, and you know, sure enough, for two games, he wore 52. And then the next year, he came back uh, wearing number 32, and the rest is history. But, uh, but yeah, that's the list. Who would you go with number 52? Uh, well, you know what? I uh, – I... As much as they're a hated rival, I think a uh, purple Ray Lewis jersey or even the the alternate, the black Ray Lewis uh, jersey would be pretty sweet. But I might actually be tempted to go with the Cespedes jersey. Um, A little... Yeah, and for a reason. So we went years and years ago, we went to uh, Boston. A friend of ours was getting married. He's a huge Red Sox fan. And uh, we had a chance to go to Boston. It was the second last time that uh, Derek Jeter was going to be in town. And it just so happened after we planned the trip. um, And, you know, we had the tour of Fenway and whatever. But when we planned the trip and we looked ahead, John Lester was going to be starting um, the game that we were going to. And so it was perfect. And just before we were on our way there, 
the Red Sox ended up trading away Lester and brought in Cespedes as part of that, right? And uh, so the first part that was funny was I actually uh, got interviewed by the Boston Globe. Um, I was wearing a Red Sox shirt, you know, down there and at the game, whatever, and uh, put on a big phony Boston accent, went on a big rant that they (laughs) posted as part of their... uh, part of their video, I guess, of irate fans yelling at the Red Sox management for the deal. But the other thing that I vividly remember from that game is we're sitting in the stands and for like 15 minutes straight, one member of our group is just yelling, Jonas, and everybody else. And we got the whole section doing it, just Cespedes. And it was nonstop. Like, I couldn't breathe. I felt dizzy. Like, when you're a kid and you blow out your Nintendo cartridge too hard and you get lightheaded. <laughs> but you don't want to be the one guy who stops yelling it, right? So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, my brain was kind of stuck on those two words for a little while after that game. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah. That's a nice little memory, and I was going to say, because that, on that list, he would be at the bottom of it for most people, but if you have a story like that. Now, before we move on here, maybe this next, you're going to read the next blurb here. I think you should do it in your Boston accent, just for our listeners. No, I I, uh, <laughs> I haven't had the, the proper materials um, all day long to uh, bring that one out. Yeah. yeah, the courage. That's fair, that's fair. But, uh, yeah, what about you, though? What would you do? with those jerseys well it's interesting i would think i would go with the ray lewis jersey but i could never ever wear it so it'd yeah. be like really nice <laughs> in a closet <laughs> yeah absolutely all right well uh let's get this thing started off here buddy we got lots to get to let's hit the opening kickoff opening kickoff So we're going to take a quick break this week from our Fantasy 101 series. We've got another uh, one or two to do before the offseason really gets into full swing. But uh, we are going to talk about fantasy drafts. So I'm getting excited, and you as our LOEG commissioner actually sent out a message this week reminding everyone that we had agreed months ago on a draft date to which 12 of the 14 league members said, what, what, we did? Um, But... uh, Yeah, every year. But this year seems special um, because we're coming out, you know, the the light at the end of the tunnel from COVID is kind of in our sights, it feels like. And we're coming off a year where probably just about every fantasy league around the world had to draft virtually. And now we've got the chance uh, or lots of them, lots of people have the chance to get together in person. So I want to hear from you. You know, you've got a lot of lot of experience playing fantasy football. I want to hear from you. In a live draft, what are some of the things you think that you must do or that must happen there? And what are some things that you uh, that you would avoid if you were hosting a successful live fantasy draft? Well, I don't you know. To be honest, I don't know if I've held a, a successful live fantasy draft. I've done a few live fantasy drafts. Uh, um, no, all kidding aside, we had a few of them where it's it's all about participation. And the more people that come out, the more fun it is. And obviously there's crucial things like snacks and beverages and, you know, knowing your limit and not getting into the, the liquid courage too much before the draft. And then you start drafting three kickers in the first three rounds. But uh, I mean, for me, it's all about just getting the guys, the, the guys and girls together and the, and the league together. And just the, it's almost more fun before the draft when everybody's shooting the breeze than once the actual drafts on and everybody's so focused on what they're doing. Um, 
but yeah, I would say must do is snack beverages, plenty of seating and space because everybody's got, you know, their, their cheat sheets and their secret lists and nobody wants it's like the kid looking over the shoulder and you know, when you're copying tests in public school. So uh, lots of space is another crucial one and must avoid would be, yeah, I don't know, man. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't really have anything that's a must avoid unless it's like, you know, dangerous or, or something that <laughs> takes away from the draft. Cause it is like, we keep talking about it. We've talked about it all off season, how important this time of year is. And you know, the draft sets you up for the season. So I would say avoid getting too intoxicated or, you know, not being able to finish the draft in a sound manner. would be my, my tip. How about you? Um, yeah, like the, you're right. The avoid list is tough because most of the time it's, it's kind of geared towards fun. Um, I would say avoid, um, avoid telling everybody just kind of come when the draft starts, because what you end up with is always a couple of people show up late and then it's an argument over whether we should just let them auto draft or, or skip their picks or whatever it might be. So like you said, it's nice to have some time beforehand where guys or you know, whoever guys, girls, kids, whatever can get together um, you know, shoot the breeze, talk a little bit without giving away too much of your strategy. Um, I went to one live draft once where they um, they played the previous year's Super Bowl um, in the background, which was a lot of fun um, to kind of relive. And uh, the things that you must do, like everybody's draft looks different. Some people go away and do like a big fancy destination draft. Um, and some people just, you know, have it in their garage. And uh, those have been some of the most most fun nights that I can remember doing fantasy hockey or fantasy football drafts. Um, it's cool if you get the big draft board. I know you can buy them pretty oh, the inexpensively. Um, one guy... Uh, who I've played in a league um, for a few years with when he would host it was he had two whiteboards in his garage and he had used electrical tape to to kind of um, section them off and so you would just you'd write in yeah you'd write in the picks and actually before I uh, joined that league I hosted their draft uh, the year before so I announced whose pick it was I announced any trades I wrote in all the player names um, I managed the, there was a time limit to come up. And so he had a little podium set up where you had to come up and officially announce your, uh, pick to the room before it went in online, which was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, make it fun, make it a big deal. Um, you know, you see some leagues, people dress up, um, the way that a GM would, some incorporate some kind of you know game or whatever beforehand um to determine the draft order all that stuff that we've talked about but uh you know what if you can get together even with just some of your league mates um it starts the season off in a nice way i think rather than everybody just logging into their computers at the same time for 45 minutes and then saying see ya in the chat well that's it and another must do that i'm thinking about you know as somebody who's run a few uh offline drafts is you got to kind of go through the ground rules because sure enough you get you know in round three or four people are going to want to pause everything and talk trade off to the side so you gotta i think it's pretty important to set ideas or rules in place for if if that does come up you know if you guys want to pause the draft everybody's got a certain amount of pauses or um you have a set time amount for trade talks and so so people don't abuse it and just delay 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 but uh um 
Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, live draft, I really, really, really hope that the majority of our league can get together. I know one guy's out west in Vancouver, so that's almost impossible. But um, a lot of the, everybody else is in Ontario. So uh, I'm really hoping that everybody can get together and we can have some laughs before we do the draft. And, uh, and, and then the rest of the time, we can make fun of Craig for drafting a nine-week team. And then, uh, <laughs> and then we'll see what happens week 10 when he's tanking again. But yeah, I mean... For me, it's just about participation and everybody making it an event. Like you said, it's like this is a big, it's the biggest day of the year as far as fantasy goes. And I know the grand scheme of life, fantasy football is pretty small, but uh, you know we're asking for two hours of your your year to do a draft with your league that you've been a part of for ten to fifteen years or whatever the case is. So I don't think it's too much to ask. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so much fun. So and. Anyways, that's that. I'm uh, I'm hoping that the, those twelve guys who forgot can make arrangements and instead of asking their wives, maybe tell them that this is what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't think that's going to be I'll the case. I'll edit. I'm going to edit that yeah. out before no. the wives listen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping it happens this year because like you said, it should be special after everything uh, everybody has been through the last uh, year and a half plus. So anyways, buddy, that's enough of the what's going to happen with our draft. Let's get into some more important stuff with the fantasy news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. It's time for fantasy football news. So this one isn't actually super fantasy relevant. It's just kind of fun. Um, the, the Manning brothers, uh, they announced today, ESPN has announced that they're going to host like special presentations of Monday Night Football throughout the next three seasons. So uh, I don't know if you, Kyle, if you saw the Mannings, either one of them hosts Saturday Night Live or any of the uh, award shows they've hosted. Peyton Manning is like one of the funniest athletes ever and uh, Eli is just as good. So I'm really excited to see what these two can do. And hopefully they are, you know, hopefully it's a different broadcast. They go off the cuff and they can show their personalities because they are both really funny. I think it'll be good. I think this is, uh, you know, we got a little peek at this last year when, um, you know, Nickelodeon uh, aired a separate broadcast for the, what was it? The Saints and Bears game. Um, And we're starting to see that, you know, the NFL, (laughs) They're already the most popular sport in North America, and they are, uh, they're trying to kind of expand their reach and reach out to the casual fan or to the casual observer. Um, so this, yeah, it sounds like this will be kind of an alternate broadcast that's focused on the game, but also incorporating some other stuff, um, you know, for the, the people who want it on in the background, maybe. Oh, I mean, I don't know if you've seen, I'm trying to remember this, the name of the, the show Peyton did on ESPN. They used to show it halftime on Monday night. Which oh. like just him in one on one with another yeah. all timer, right? And just listening to him talk about football is just captivating. So it's I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, see, and I love Peyton, and I'm not. Uh, I know, I know somewhere Steve Henning is uh, rubbing his hands together with glee listening to this because I'm not the biggest Eli Manning fan. Um, I'm a I'm a big believer. You know, he won two Super Bowls and he beat the best who's ever done it twice. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Not maybe on his own, but didn't put it all on his own shoulders, maybe. But uh, he is, he, you know, he is funny, and having him together with his brother, I think, will add a little bit of a uh, little bit of that family personality as well. I think so too. It's gonna be fun. Um, Washington football team news JD McKissick, the pass catching specialist out of the backfield, there has bulked up and wants an every down roll. I don't know if this is news or just this time of year. I know other guys that want every down rolls include Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley, and Le'Veon Bell. 
Um, I mean, Antonio Gibson is getting a ton of hype this offseason as a breakout candidate who could finish as high as, you know, I've seen one person predict him as as the RB1 this year. Um, is this news, is it anything, does, does it worry you at all about uh, Antonio or Gibson's value moving forward? Um, I think that there's something to it because I think that the people who are really, you know, beating the drum for Gibson, what they're doing is kind of brushing off what McKissick was last year because we saw, you know, there was a lot of hype for Gibson as a rookie last year and we saw, um, down the stretch, especially that that just wasn't the case. He disappeared in a lot of games, um, game script dependent. And, you know, we talked about it. McKissick was probably other than Kamara. He was the best receiving back in the league last year. Um, and he showed what he can do and he showed, you know, he's a young, talented running back um, who's dealt with injury problems in the past. So if he's bulking up, um, I don't think he's really looking at it like I'm going to take the starting job. But I think what he's trying to show the team is that he can do what he did last year and maybe take three or four carries extra a week. And if that happens... Um, you know, it's not going to take away from what Gibson did, but it's definitely going to limit what he could do or what he will do this year. Yeah. And I think, I mean, McKissick had a nice year last year, but a lot of that was Alex Smith not wanting to throw it more than six yards. So I think Fitzpatrick's going to open it up a little more. And I don't think McKissick will see the same kind of volume he had last year, but, uh, he's a nice handcuff for sure. If something does happen to Gibson and he could be, you know, a serviceable flex if you're desperate for those uh, receptions. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be an episode if we weren't getting our, our listeners a little bit tipsy. So Jaguars news, drink up, folks. Uh, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence will be full go for training camp. Uh, this was just reported, actually. I just saw this as we were uh, getting on air here. So there were some questions early in the offseason about him. Uh, he's coming off that shoulder surgery to his non-throwing arm. But uh, it sounds like, you know, the prize phenom generational talent will be ready for the start of training camp. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of eyes on that offense uh, that's looking forward to, you know, kind of jump into fantasy relevance where it hasn't been for the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, it's good news for Jaguars fans and for Lawrence. Uh, if you have done your draft already and, and, and drafted him, it's good news uh, that he's going to be there right from the start. Yeah, it's nice to have some good news for people that did their draft already because uh, some of the other news we get to is not going to be so positive. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> but before we get to that, there wouldn't be an episode again, once again, if we don't talk about Aaron Rodgers. So there was some news that broke about him this week uh, I guess he was offered a two-year contract extension with the team that would have made him the highest paid player in the league and he declined it so it's not about the money and uh, I think last week it was when I said you know I'm starting to come around on the fact that maybe he will be back in Green Bay because he said he's going to start working out but uh, I have squashed that altogether. I'm back on board of him going to Denver and being out of town <laughs> and uh, this just I mean this doesn't look good it's funny because I follow a lot of these trading card groups on social media and Facebook or whatever, and the Jordan Love cards, uh, the value of them was skyrocketed today after this news. It's just that everything is dependent on the news, and with this, when this came out, people are selling their Jordan Love cards like crazy. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, you know the consensus is, is expecting uh, number twelve to be on another team next year. Yeah. Now this, um, like, do we know when the do we know when this offer came in? Like, is this just in the last? Uh the last week or so that this happened or we're not really sure because I remember a while ago there were rumors that you know basically they were saying it's not about the money um that there had been offers made that he wasn't interested in but nothing as concrete as this so if this is if this is new uh, a new offer that the team made then this is bad like I'm with you I'm back on he's not here if this is something that 
you know, we already kind of heard about, but now we're just really hearing how big it was, um, then I might still lean towards that he's coming back just because of the way the, the kind of attitude and some of the comments that have changed over the last couple of weeks. But, uh, interesting, you know, obviously they're trying to appease him, but interesting that you would pay a guy in the declining years of his career that much, right? Like not that he, you know, he's the MVP and he's, he's won a Super Bowl with them, but, uh, a team that's struggled to get over the hump recently, tying more money up into a guy that you've already got under contract. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's really the recipe for success. No, maybe that's his plan is just take all their money so they can't compete. I don't know. It's a situation. <laughs> and then and again, it that, didn't yeah. come from his, <laughs> it didn't come from his camp again, right? This is all yeah. other people talking about it. He really has been pretty ho-hum and, and hush-hush about it. So, um, you know, we're running out of time though. I was going to mention off the top, like Steelers, Buccaneers and Cowboys are reporting to camp tomorrow. So it's getting real and other teams are starting to, to funnel in as we go here. I think the Packers are next week. So TikTok there, Aaron, you better make your choice or it's going to start costing you some dollars. Um, man, oh God, this guy, Tom Brady, uh, this came out right after we recorded last week. We knew he was dinged up. We knew he, was, he had a, a knee injury, but we didn't know it was a torn MCL. Dude played the whole season, won a Super Bowl with a torn MCL. I am referring to him as Alf from now on. He's not human, <laughs> alien life form, Tom Brady. And uh, they were in the White House today, and he's also hilarious. Like, the guy's just not fair. Uh, he's making jokes about how 40% of the population still doesn't believe they won to Joe Biden. Like, he's just, yeah, he's the total package, and it's not fair. <laughs> I, I love, there was one joke I I heard from that, and I actually, I laughed out loud. He said, in 21 years of playing football in the NFL, I forget one down, and people start calling me Sleepy Tom. He said, I feel you, Joe. I, I'm with you. We probably had like Dave Chappelle writing jokes for him or something. Right? Like, hey, Dave, I need some. Anyways. Yeah, for free, uh, just his buddy. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned this. It's not always great news. And, uh, you know, it is the season, unfortunately. You know, with the return of football in camps, it also means the return of injuries. And, unfortunately, we had a pretty devastating blow to the fantasy running back ranks anyways this this year. Uh, Cam Akers, the sophomore running back for the Los Angeles Rams, who um, – you know, was expected to take a huge step forward this year um, after looking great down the stretch last year. He ruptured his Achilles. He's out for the season now, which is just absolutely horrible news. Uh, we recently did our running back rankings uh, three episodes ago now. Is that right, Kyle? Yeah. And uh, we had Cam Akers at 13th in our rankings. Obviously, that's not the case. Anybody below him will be moved up. But uh, it sounds like it's going to be Darrell Henderson Jr. who's taken uh, back the running back duties over in, in Los Angeles. And I thought we'd play a little game. I mean, it's not great news, but we're trying to you know, put a fun twist on it. So I'm going to ask you a few questions here if you don't mind here. I don't mind. Cool. Daryl Henderson, who would you rather? Daryl Henderson or Josh Jacobs? Oh, man. Like, as it stands right now, with no one else, like no veteran coming in, I would probably go Henderson over Jacobs. Crazy, eh? It's, yeah. uh, Daryl Henderson or Daryl, I don't know, I've said it differently every know. time yeah. i said it, I think, so far. <laughs> D. Henderson uh, or DeAndre Swift? Um, Swift, I like a little more just because he's got the opportunity, but still, Jamal Williams there. I'd probably go Henderson. Ugh. Crazy, eh? Oof. Henderson or Mike Davis? Um, I This is where I'd lean away, I think. I'd go with Davis, um, you know, the guy who they brought in to be 
the guy um, on a good offense, um, yeah, I'd probably go with him. You sound very confident. Yeah. Anderson or J.K. Dobbins? <sighs> There's no comparison as a player. Dobbins is, you know, much greater of an asset than Henderson, but uh, it's closer than I think want it to be just because of Edwards being in Baltimore and because of Lamar taking the touchdown, but I'd still go Dobbins. I'd still go Dobbins over Henderson. It's it, I'm, I don't think I've maybe disagreed on one so far. It's wild how much his value has changed. Like we've talked about it all off season, you know, players and values can change in the blink of an eye, but you know, we had Henderson, I think he was 38th on our list of running backs. And now we're talking about him as an RB1 potentially. I got one more for you, and it's I saved it for last on purpose. Darrell Henderson or Miles Gaskin? Oh, that's the easiest one. Gaskin, buddy. Gaskin going to burn real, you though, up. Hey, it's no, I no think, doubt about it. I, know, I, I know think so. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a believer in the workload. I liked what he showed last year, and I think he's just going to get fed the ball. Henderson, so here's the thing. Henderson is the obvious choice, um, and he showed not terribly uh, when he had opportunities last year, um, you know, in a couple of games to be the guy. But um, I've heard talk of, uh, I believe the name is Xavier Jones, um, who was on the team last year and uh, didn't really have opportunity, but in college um, showed up very well, just kind of fell through the fell through the cracks during draft season. Um, but obviously there's a lot of talk of who are they going to bring in, right? There, there's lots of guys. You mentioned them earlier in the news segment here, Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, maybe a Rams reunion for Todd Gurley. Um, I don't think any of those guys would take the primary workload away from, uh, away from Henderson, but just having other ideas in the backfield, it's going to be interesting to see what McVay comes up with here because, um, you know, they, they have a plan in place. They have a system they've been looking to implement, and I'm not sure they'll be able to do it the exact same way without Acres in the backfield. But, uh, yeah, as it stands, you know, Henderson goes way up the board, and uh, it made me feel a little queasy to put him out of even a couple of those names on that list. Well, it's an interesting – somebody came up with, like, you know, uh, here's my solution to the problem for you, Rams. You guys trade for James Robinson and get him out of that situation and – with the Jaguars, let Travis yeah. Etienne be who they drafted him to be. And, you, I mean, you look at it from the Jags. I, like, I thought about it. This is an undrafted free agent. If you're able to trade him and receive something uh, for, and already have his replacement in-house, like that seems like a win-win-win for a team that really has no expectations this year. Yeah, well, or, you know, call up the Texans. They've only got 46 running backs on staff. <laughs> the, a nice round 45 would be good. So maybe you can get a Mark Ingram or a Philip Lindsay from them. Um, actually the, it's funny because the name that popped into my head, um, this morning when this was coming out was, uh, Leonard Fournette in Tampa Bay. Um, you know, they've got the, and I'm sure that they, I'm sure that Bruce Arians doesn't want to do anything like that. They don't want to break up the band coming off of a Super Bowl, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that two years ago was one of the, like he carried the ball and, and caught the ball almost more than anybody in the league, except for Christian McCaffrey. And now he's in a secondary role um, just because of circumstance and, uh, you know, could be a short-term answer for them. But, uh, yeah, in any case, this is this is what it is, right? This is football. This is fantasy. This is, uh, this is why we play the games. And it's not the last one, unfortunately. I just hate to say it, but nope. it's part of, the, part of the game, right? Oh, boy. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's move along here. Let's get out of the doom and gloom. We've got uh, we've got our loyal listeners to get to before we get down to business with our wide receiver ranks. So uh, let's get at it. Let's get to the Falcomaniacs fan zone. Oh my god! Oh my god! Welcome to the Falcomaniacs fan zone. <laughs> I'm a fan, sir. I am a fan. We're not worthy. We're not worthy. So a big thanks to everybody who reached out to us on this past week's question. Uh, remember, you can always send us an email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. You can reply by vote or comment on Instagram at Falcomaniacs, or you can send us a voicemail using the link in the show description. So last week, uh, this was more of a, uh, you know, a creative writing assignment. We asked you to play league executive and to make plans for an NFL expansion. So uh, we're recording this on Tuesday this week, actually. Tomorrow night, Wednesday, is the NHL expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken. Um, So we asked you, where should a new NFL team go, and what should they be called? And we got some great, like, good ideas um, through email, through social media. So we picked some of the best to share. So um, actually, a city that a lot of people came up with was San Antonio. They thought thought, uh, San Antonio could... Could host another uh, Texas football team, but the San Antonio Marshals, um, I liked that one a lot. The Austin Armadillos, so another uh, you know down that down Texas way. Um, one uh, one user on Facebook actually wrote um, in a group where I'd written the question, the Portland Bombers, and he sent an article along with it. There was a uh, there was a baseball team during World War II on an air base in uh, Portland called the Bombers, so a bit of a historical connection. Uh, the Milwaukee Blue Ribbons, so similar, I guess, to the Milwaukee Brewers, right? A little a little uh, beer reference. Uh, Falcomaniac Steve Henning said the Albuquerque Coyotes, apparently coyotes run through the streets of Albuquerque. Uh, he thinks that, uh, the New Mexico city is big enough to support a team. They don't have a lot of large market competition nearby, except for Jeff's favorite team, the Cowboys. I had to put that in there. And, uh, and, uh, Reed, another one of our, our, uh, OG Falcomaniacs, he came in with a four pack right away. So he came in with the Toronto Towers, the Vancouver Mountain Men, the Montreal Hammers, and the Boston Brigade. And so three of the four up north of the border, um, which we didn't really get a lot outside of the United States. So I wanted to ask you, Jeff, there has been talk in the past, you know, I'm sure you remember a few years ago when... uh, there was discussion whether whether the Bills were going to move across to Toronto or play half their games in Toronto. Um, you know, they always they did do their their series, the NFL in Canada series. Um, but as recently as Super Bowl week this year in 2021, Roger Goodell said he would love to see the NFL expand into Canada and that right now the only thing holding it back was that someone would have to build a new stadium. Toronto or Montreal would have to build a new stadium. So what do you think? Is there ever going to be a full-time NFL team up in Canada? Man, I hope so. I don't know if you... So uh, the Bills did that half season in Toronto, half season in Buffalo thing, and their games were in the Rogers Centre or Skydome at the time. And I actually went down to a game, and it was just a terrible atmosphere. I mean, I'd been to a few games at Ralph Wilson Stadium before. I went to the game in Toronto, and just the game in the Dome, it wasn't 
set up for an NFL game. You were so far away from the field. You didn't feel engaged in the action at all. So um, I think I think it will eventually. It's just too big of a market in the country. But I don't think it's going to be inside the Rogers Center. And I kind of hope it's not in Toronto, to be honest. I would love to see it in a smaller market. Um, and just a, a, one more thing about the, the, the suggestion from Reed. Toronto Towers was what I submitted. So when the Toronto Raptors came into the NBA, whatever, 26 years ago or whatever it was mm-hmm. now, um, they did like an open contest to all the public schools in the area and everybody could submit name options and ideas. And Toronto Towers was what I came up with. And I remember drawing a logo and submitting it thinking, oh, this is, I'm going to be, you know, doing the opening tip off. They're going to thank <laughs> me and pay me. And this is going to be the greatest thing. So I would love to see a Toronto Towers thing happen. That's a, you know, bringing me back to grade six or whatever it was. So you're saying, you think, though? You- so you're saying that a grown man only came up with the idea you had when you were 12. Is that what you're, uh, yeah. I think That's it might've nice. been nine. Um, <laughs> Yeah, what do you think though? You think it'll be north of the border? Uh, I could definitely see it. I know that there's an appetite for it. Um, the, the real trouble is, you know, this is the NFL is the only of the four big sports in North America where we don't have a Canadian franchise, right? Um, baseball and basketball, we did have two, and now we're down to one each, both in Toronto. Uh, the NHL, obviously, you know, a quarter of the teams in the league just about are in Canada. But the the real difference is that we have the CFL up here, and it's a totally different game. Um, but it's you know essentially the same sport, and there is really um, there is really a community of diehard CFL fans across the country. And I remember, you know, whatever it was ten years ago, that talks were kind of amping up around this this subject. Um, there's just a lot of resistance because I think that there's that fear that it would take away too much from the CFL and ultimately lead to it, you know, folding, um, a league that's been around for over a hundred years. So I think that there could be, I think right now, um, you know, the CFL is about to kind of get going again here after a year, um, away and, uh, is, you know, struggling a little bit to kind of get back afloat. So I think that things would have to stabilize there. Um, there have been American teams in the CFL, right? They had a brief, uh, they had a brief period where there were four or five teams in the U S that competed and Baltimore actually, uh, I believe won the gray cup one year, interestingly, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think that it's just, there's the money up here. There's the appetite up here for it. Um, if they, I, I agree with you, I'd rather see it not in Toronto for sure. Montreal would be okay. Or even, you know, outside in the GTA somewhere, um, <clears throat> I think would be a good spot for it. But, uh, yeah, I could see it happening for sure. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the NFL is obviously pushing into, uh, Europe and they've done the Europe series. They had their own league there for years, but now, you know, the Jaguars are kind of making it their home away from home. So I kind of anticipate a team being over there before it's North of the border in Canada here. So that was the suggestion I was going to say for a new team name was the London hooligans. Um, I think that'd be a cool name. And another one I came up with based on the news today is the Amazon moonwalkers. Maybe Jeff Bezos could get a, some kind of moon field or space Ugh. field up there and have a host of, yeah, I know what a waste of everything. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah. Well, when I was thinking about it, I actually, uh, I kind of built off of a, a little rumbling I had heard in a news story in the last couple of weeks. So all of a sudden, there was word coming out in Chicago that they didn't know if Soldier Field was going to, you know, they just didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know if the Bears were going to keep playing there in the long term. 
And then they didn't know if the team, you know, all of a sudden this this clickbait headline comes out. Ah, we don't even know if the Bears are going to stay in Chicago, like as if, right? Um, but then all of a sudden, you know, I heard the mayor of Chicago say something and somebody within the league that, yes, the Bears are going to be staying. And in fact, we think maybe a second team could be supported in Chicago. And so that's kind of the way that I went is a, uh, you know, an outskirts type of team. But uh, I thought the Chicago L trains, Chicago L trains would be a uh, a new franchise that that might get some popularity. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I like it. I, man, Chicago's a big enough city. They hold two baseball teams. And uh, I, I would be down with that just to see the rivalry. I and, mean, you know, when you get in time, you get two teams in the same state at uh, yeah. city, it's. Uh, it creates quite the rivalry. Yeah, it's massive. We used to drive through it every summer when we'd be driving back from Saskatchewan to Ontario. And uh, we actually detoured once. There was an accident on the interstate and they detoured us right through town. And all of a sudden I look and we're passing Soldier Field like right there, um, which was pretty awesome. And then immediately I turned and in the middle of the road was the biggest like rat I've ever seen in my life. The thing was looked like a French poodle <laughs> with its tail shaved, but uh, yeah. So maybe the sewer rats. Maybe I changed. I'm changing my name. Maybe the Chicago sewer rats. That's what <laughs> Mitch Trubisky. Did you say? Well, oh boy. Anyways, let's. Uh, we're going off the L train's going off the rails here, buddy. Uh, we got a lot to get to. We got a lot of names to dig through. A lot of uh, a lot of hidden value to find. A couple that we need to duke it out on. What do you say we get to volume two of our wide receiver rankings? I don't I show you on order. You don't know what out order is. Fantasy Falcon Football Player Ranks. So just a reminder to everybody, these uh, these ranks are based on half PPR scoring, uh, and these are the consensus. So these are the uh, where they worked out between both Jeff and myself, and we'll also make note of where players ended up in the expert consensus ranks over on Fantasy Pros, um, as well as where they finished last season. That's it. So let's do a recap of our top 10 from last week. Uh, so if you want to check out the top 20, you can uh, listen to last week's episode. But uh, to go over the first 10, we had Tyreek Hill at number one. Number two was Stephon Diggs. Number three, Devontae Adams. Number four, DeAndre Hopkins. Number five, Calvin Ridley. Then we got Justin Jefferson at six, A.J. Brown at seven, D.K. Metcalf at eight, Keenan Allen at nine, and Allen Robinson at number 10. And at number 11, we had Mr. Michael Thomas. Number 12, Scary Terry McLaurin. 13, Chris Godwin. 14, C.D. Lamb. 15, his teammate Amari Cooper. 16, we had Julio Jones. 17, Mike Evans. Number 18, Bobby Trees. We had Robert Woods. Number 19, DJ Moore. And number 20, Deontay Johnson. So starting off the list this week, at number 21, we have Cooper Cup. I had him right at 21. You were a spot lower at 22. The experts had him at 20, and last year, Cooper Cup finished as the number 24 wide receiver. So when I was uh, when I was looking over this week's list, I told you this off air, there were a lot of names that I kind of felt like maybe we had messed up by not having them on last week's list, and this for sure was one of them. Um, this is a guy who a couple of years ago finished as a top five or top six wide receiver in the league. And uh, obviously this past year was a disappointment um, based on where he was drafted. So, and then we got the Cam Akers news this morning, which is going to affect things. So what I, what I'm thinking is that 
we're going to make adjustments to our rankings as we come into the last uh, few weeks of the offseason. And now that we know what's going on with the backfield, Cup, Matt Stafford, and uh, Bobby Trees, they're going to see some adjustment. But as it stands right now, as it stands as of uh, as of today before the news, we need to focus on what we know. And what we know is that, like I said, Cup was a major disappointment last year. He finished number 24 after um, yeah, being number 6 the year before. There was a little bit of a drop-off in yardage, but the big gap was in his touchdowns. He had three touchdowns last year uh, after scoring 10 in 2019, and that's kind of what people saw him as, is he's the guy who's going to produce in the end zone. So I think that part of the reason why Cup is lower on people's radar right now, like not a lot of people are calling for a big bounce back, is just the unknown with Matt Stafford. Um, We said last week that neither one of us really expects a whole lot different from Robert Woods, right? We expect kind of the same, same targets, same yardage, same everything, just because that's the type of receiver he is. But Cup has kind of made, like his bread and butter was being a touchdown guy. And looking at what Matt Stafford's had over his career, I'm not sure that Cup really fits the model uh, or the mold of uh, his usual go-to red zone target. Um I think it might actually lean towards Tyler Higby when they get down into the red zone. Um, just that big body who can go up and now uh, with Gerald Everett out of town has the role to himself. And if Cup's touchdown numbers don't go back up, he'll be a solid wide receiver too, but I don't think he's going to get back to where he was in 2019. No, and he'll continue to Cooper down. Come, uh, I tried to joke there. It didn't work anyway. <laughs> the K is silent. Anyways, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, it is. It's for me. It was the uncertainty. I know, like coming into last year, he he was a top, you know, top ten drafted wide receiver in fantasy, and a lot of that was the you know the bromance he had with uh, Jared Goff. And now that that's gone, there's just the uncertainty there. I mean, he's a great talent, but uh, I, I just trust the guys ahead of him more. And uh, you know, before we get too deep into this, the next twenty here, we were talking about this before we went on air. Like any of these twenty guys could be shifted shifted in up 10 15 even 20 spots by the end of the year it's uh, it's so close in this in this grouping and uh um yeah like one touchdown could separate you know you could you'd be 36 to 22nd on this list at the end when it's all said and done so it's super tight and uh, you, you know any of these guys you'll be happy with is your wr2 uh so let's go to number 22 tyler lockett uh stud receiver for the seattle seahawks he obviously had a he had an interesting year last year, and maybe we should uh, let you talk about him since you were rostering him <laughs> in our main league. But, uh, you know, you have him at number 23. I have him at number 21. The experts have him at 23. Last year, he was lucky number 13, and it was a really streaky number 13, right? He had some massive games, and then he totally ghosted for other games. Um, he's obviously a great talent, and there's 21 guys ahead of him, and that just speaks to the depth of the position, not so much him personally so uh yeah why don't you give us a breakdown of his season and what it was like having him on your roster last year well there were a few weeks where it was great because when the whistle blew on his game you texted your opponent or called your opponent and said good game I won and uh the trouble was that there were a lot of weeks where you looked at his box score and it didn't change from like the third series of the game he didn't uh he didn't catch another ball he didn't gain another yard Um, I can't remember what week it was, but there was a week last year where I remember saying on the show in all three of my matchups, um, that were coming down to the wire on Monday night, I basically ended up where I needed like one catch for 11 yards from Tyler Lockett in the whole second half of the game. And I didn't get it. So I lost all three, 
Uh, so I was pretty heavily invested in Tyler Lockett last year. Um, he might be the only player in fantasy football history who had 100 receptions, 1,000 yards, and 10 touchdowns last year and is being avoided like the plague. Um, and I don't really blame people because you just don't, you know, he's the ultimate boom bust. Like he, he's kind of the definition of a boom bust player. Now here's the thing. He signed a four year, um, extension with Seattle this year worth 70 million. And I think there's 40 million guaranteed in it. So they want him there. Russ loves him. They have a great connection. Um, I think he actually gets disrespect in terms of his ability down the field like he is one of the top downfield threats in the league um as he showed you with two different games last year where he had three touchdowns in each game but uh the trouble is it's so boomer bust that if you don't have a safe floor um with the rest of your wide receivers you could be in trouble when he has a game where he goes you know three catches for 40 yards um so he's that's actually Sorry. Sorry, I was just gonna say that's a great point. Like you gotta, as you're drafting here, this is kind of a side note asterisk point. They just, you know, look at what you've got and what the ranges of outcomes are for the players on your roster as you're drafting. And then if you know you get an opportunity to take a Tyler Lockett and you don't have that safe floor, then maybe you're gonna take a safer player. That's a great point, Kyle. I like that. Uh, I hadn't really considered that. And I'm glad you mentioned it or brought it up because uh, that's something to definitely consider. And it's, it changes with every draft pick. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to have a couple of guys with the variance. Um, and, and he's a guy that you can count on. There's going to be some big games, right? He had a game last year, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, I know he had 20 targets in the game. I just, I remember that vividly, but I, I think he had 20 targets, 14 receptions, 200 yards and three touchdowns. Like that's the kind of stat line you see out of a rookie wide receiver for the whole season sometimes. And he did that in one game. Um, but this, we talked about it a little bit last week too, because the other side of that is that the games where Lockett goes off like that, it really takes away from, uh, DK who is, you know, he was part of our, our volume one rankings and a guy that everyone's counting on to be their wide receiver one. And so you're in the same situation where you're going to have weeks where he disappears and, uh, you have to account for that with your drafting. Like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, man, I'm just looking at these names, this position is so deep this year. It's so exciting. Yeah, for sure. Well, at number 23, uh, you know, I we should have actually looked at this list when we were sorting out who's talking about who because yeah, I had right. Tyler Lockett. And uh, <laughs> this guy, I know I know he was near and dear to your heart for a time, and now I think you've, and now I think you've cut his face out of all your pictures. That's Kenny Galladay. Uh, he's our number 23 consensus wide receiver. I had him at 25. You actually liked him a little bit more. You were up at number 20. Maybe uh, still part of the old flame is still burning maybe, but uh, the experts consensus had him at 24. And last year, you know, he only played a handful of games, but he finished at wide receiver 100. So tell me about Kenny Don't G. Don't talk about last year. So, <clears throat> well, here's the deal. I love him. I love him as a talent. I loved him last year. So I... I Last year in our draft, I drafted Tua in our first round. I traded him straight up for Kenny Galladay because I needed a receiver, and you know the value of rookie quarterbacks in our league. So it was a big trade. I had big expectations, and he just did not want to play for the Detroit Lions. Uh, he had this nagging injury that seemed like he was coming back from it for 12 straight weeks, and he never did. But, uh, you know, you go with the year before that and even the years, two years before that, this guy's a big play receiver. He makes contested plays. He's a big body. And, uh, you know, as long as Danny Dimes can protect the ball – I think Galladay could have a, a nice bounce back season here as in his first season season with the Giants. But uh 
yeah, I mean, he burnt me bad last year. It's it, you know leaves a bad taste in my mouth, but I, I love the talent, and uh, yeah, I think he's he can bounce back pretty nicely with what he's capable of. Yeah, he's going to get peppered with targets. And before last year, he'd had over 120 targets, I think, each of the two seasons before. Um, so it's nothing new for him. Um, you know, there's some good support pieces in New York. Um, Evan Engram is a name that it seems like every year uh, since his big rookie year has been talked about as this could be the full breakout, this could be the full breakout. But uh, it actually could be now because you've got Galladay, you've got a healthy, you know, healthy-ish, I guess, Saquon, we don't really know. Um, but this is kind of make it or break it time for Daniel Jones. And, uh, he's not, he's not going to be playing, you know, scared. He's going to be trying to get the ball, um, down the field and Kenny Galladay is going to play a big part of that. Yeah. I mean, and the rest of the NFL was aware of the situation with Galladay last year and they they still threw the bag at him in New York. So obviously they see the talent as well. So hopefully he stays on the field and he rewards his owners. Uh, number 23 is a sophomore wide receiver who broke out in a big way. He was super exciting. Uh, Brandon Ayuk of the San Francisco 49ers. You had him at number 22. I've got him right here at number 24. The experts have him at 25. And last year he finished at number 31, kind of out of nowhere. Now, um, he finished at number 31 with injuries to Debo and George Kittle. So those guys are both expected to play or hopeful to play full seasons this year. It'll be interesting to see how that affects Ayuk's workload. But you know, this guy shows flashes. When he gets the ball in his hands, he can take it to the house from anywhere on the field. And, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan at the helm, Colin plays. It's only a, a good thing for you uh, if you're on that roster. And, uh, the, you know, the only real question mark is, is, is it Jimmy G all year or is Trey Lance come in and affect the, the pass catchers on this team? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, you mentioned it. I have it right here in my notes that a lot of people who are talking down Ayuk are using the, you know, oh, Kittle was hurt, Debo was hurt. But on the other hand, you got to think about it this way. He's a unheralded rookie wide receiver who everybody on his team was hurt. Like, everybody. Like, it was him and, like, the janitor threw on the red and gold to go out there every week. And uh, he did it. He carried the workload in a way that you don't see a lot of rookies able to handle. Um, You know, he's got good speed, um, not super elite, but fast. Uh, He caught over 95% of his targets last year. And, uh, you know, he kind of represented what I think people were expecting from Debo last year. And we're going to talk about Debo later on in this list. But uh, I like Ayuk to become the number one wide receiver on this team. Um, I still think the primary passing weapon is going to be Kittle, obviously, but uh, uh, he's got the playmaking ability and the the offensive mind uh, behind the behind the team that uh, he could have a lot of success this year. Well, and I think part of the game plan in San Francisco is maybe to limit Kittle's workload to keep him healthy for when it matters because he's you know he's been pretty banged up the last couple of years and he's a key cog on that team. Not just for the passing game, the running blocking is, you know, he's amazing at it. He's one of the best all-around players in the NFL, and you got to have him on the field when it counts at the end of the season. So maybe they use Ayuk and, and Debo a little more in the start of the year in the regular season to keep Kittle fresh when it counts. Absolutely. Well, here's a guy at number 25 that you and I are a bit lower than the experts on. We've got Adam Thielen. I'm number, I had him at 24. You had him at 26. The experts consensus had him at 21. But in 2020, he finished as the wide receiver eight. So what's going on here? Did we get our nose a little too close to the contact cement when we were building our model airplanes? Or what's going on here? Like we, we've we got a guy who, and it wasn't a freak finish last year. Like year after year, he's been 
you know, a top level producer. He had that stretch of hundred yard games, whatever it was, nine weeks in a row. He had a hundred yard game a couple years ago. Um, but you know, we talked about him in our fantasy ups and downs episode. Um, if you want to go back and check that out, we, we talked about some players that should be on the way up and some that should be falling. And the reason was pretty simple for him. His touchdown total was unreal last year, 14 touchdowns. Like I had to double check to make sure again, I, I wrote that in and then it just seemed like too much. Um, and he actually saw, he saw less, uh, less yardage, fewer targets, fewer receptions, Um, and it's a new world in Minnesota. Like the Justin Jefferson era is here. He showed it to us last year. We talked about him last week, how he didn't get a starter's workload until like halfway through the season. Um, and he still finished, um, where he did. Thielen's numbers are going to come back down to earth. And as soon as those touchdown numbers go down and you pair that with, uh, Jefferson being the man from week one, um, he's going to be a big part of the offense, but he's not going to be a big part of your fantasy offense. Yeah, and you know we've got him number twenty five. I ranked him twenty six on my listings, but this is a case where I would draft guys that I have ranked lower than him before him. Just I don't love the thought, and I don't love the ceiling this year. And uh, yeah, I like I'm going to let Thielen be somebody else's problem, or or maybe I'm wrong about him and they take him to the glory, but uh, he won't be on many of my rosters if any. <laughs> well, and just um, before you go on here, that's an interesting point too. Like you said, you might take a guy who's further down your list and it all comes down to the expected outcome we've got we've got Thielen at number 25 because of what's probably going to happen is higher than who's at number 26 or who's number 27 but that doesn't mean that the ceiling of what could happen is higher so if he's your third wide receiver if you've already you know spent higher picks on two wide receivers and you'd rather go with maybe our next player our number 26 player for the upside Um, It absolutely makes sense. This is why we talked about tiering players into similar overall production. But within that list, you're going to have certain names, um, you know, that could go off any week or you could see a big elevation in their game uh, versus guys like Thielen who probably have a safer floor, but he's not going to win you a week single handedly. Well, he could if he gets all these touchdowns, but I just don't see it again. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, the next guy we're going to talk about is, um, you know, we're talking about Thielen and Jefferson and Jefferson breaking out last year. But this next guy is maybe on this list as high as he is because of the rookie breakout last year. So Jamar Chase is number 26 on our list, the Bengals rookie wide receiver. Uh, You have him at 26. I have him at 27. Sort of the experts. Um, You know, usually rookie receivers don't come in and make immediate impacts. But Justin Jefferson did that last year and then some with, you know, 1,400 yards and just the crazy season he had. A lot of people think Jamar Chase is a better all-around player already. And uh, if Joe Burrow is healthy, they they expect massive things from Jamar Chase in this Bengals passing offense. Um, Yeah, this one's tricky because there's so many question marks, but it's the the potential and the ceiling is so, so high that, uh, you know, this could be a, a league winner if you get him late enough. Absolutely, man. And this is like the ultimate unknown. Anytime a rookie's coming in, you don't really know uh, what's going to happen in the NFL level, right? Some of them overperform, some underperform, some take a couple years, and then you see what what all the talk was about. Um, I surprised myself with Jamar Chase. I'm usually not that in on rookie wide receivers, but like I said, he is the ultimate unknown. He's joining his old 
quarterback. And when they were together, when Burrow and Chase were together in college, it was like they're breaking records every week. It felt like they had 20 touchdowns in 14 games or something like that. But the other thing is we haven't seen him play in over a year. He opted out of football last season. Um, <clears throat> you know, we, we're going to talk about Devonta Smith at the end of this list, uh, who won the Heisman Trophy and was the first uh, receiver in a long time to win. And at the time, I remember seeing a quote from Smith saying if Jamar Chase had played football this year, he would have won the Heisman Trophy. Um, so, you know, a little bit of humility, I guess. But uh his speed is unbelievable. His quickness is unbelievable. When you watch him on film, he makes it look like he's wearing cleats and everybody who's chasing him is wearing flip-flops. Like every step, he pulls two strides ahead of them. Um, an unofficial 40 time, he ran a 4.38 at his pro day. But why I think that this is going to be such a good fit and why I think that he could be an immediate impact player is just the passing volume that we've seen in this system the Bengals are going to be losing games. Burrow's going to be throwing the ball 40 to 50 times a game. He was on pace for that already as a rookie last year. I know they want to give the ball to Joe Mixon, um, but they're going to be trailing every week probably, and it's just going to be force-feeding it to you know the little big three that we talked about a few weeks ago, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. And uh, and by hook or by crook, I think Chase is going to be the number one target and the number one producer on this team. I think so, too. I mean, you look back, like obviously people rip on the bungles all the time and say they don't know football, but they obviously are in the NFL. And this is a team that passed on potentially a generational offensive lineman in Sewell with the quarterback who just got destroyed because they had no <laughs> line last year and they still took a wide receiver when they had two competent receivers in the room, right? So that shows how much they love this guy and uh, and the expectations they have for him. So as much as I don't like to say it, I'm kind of excited to see what the Bengals yeah. pass offense can it do. All, it, also shows maybe, <laughs> it also shows maybe that people aren't wrong when they say they don't really know football, but uh, yeah, either way. Oh, yeah, boy. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh man, this next one, this is one of those names that just feels dirty to have on uh, on day two of the wide receiver ranks. Odell Beckham Jr., at one time kind of the face of wide receivers in the NFL, and now here he is at number 27. I had him at number 30. You were a little higher on him, number 25. The experts had him at 28, and because of injury last year, he finishes wide receiver 78. So that's part of it. He's coming off of uh, you know a serious knee injury. But the other thing is just looking at the team. When he went out last year, other pieces in the receiving game stepped up and showed that they could handle the load. Um, so I think there will be less pressure on Baker. Uh, and I don't know if that was internal pressure or what to to force it to Beckham. Um, but really look at what this team's about. Defense and running, right? They have one of the best run attacks in the in the league. They have one of the best defenses in the league. And that's gonna be what they uh that's gonna be how they make their hay this year. They're gonna control the clock. They're gonna wear teams down. The passing attack will be complementary to the running attack. And that in itself is just not a recipe for a breakout, you know, top ten type of wide receiver. I think Beckham's talent is still there. It wasn't a mirage when he was in his first few years in the league. But uh, I think that if you're chasing the name and you're remembering that one-handed catch forever, um, you know he's gonna he's gonna curse your fantasy team every time you do that. 
It's true, and it's either like it's going to play it one of two ways, right? He's going to get enough targets and receptions to keep him happy, or he's going to melt down, and it's going to be a scene. So, um, I expect the talent to really. I mean, I just I think he's going to be a great fit for that offense because everybody's expecting the run. He, he might only have three or four catches a game, but they could be twenty yards a, a pop. So, we shall see. Um, number twenty-eight, Cortland Sutton, another player coming off to an injury who was uh, potentially a big breakout candidate last year uh he's the denver broncos wr1a right now uh you have him at number 27 i've got him at 29 the experts have him at 29 obviously being banged up uh with injuries has finished 175th last year he's at number 28 now if they do get a new quarterback and improve over teddy bridgewater or drew Locke, he could move up this ranking but uh, right now he is where he is because of the uncertainty with that knee injury he's coming back from and the quarterback um but this guy is a you know a wr1 talent if uh, if the quarterback situation gets sorted out Absolutely, and he he showed he can do it, and uh, Jerry Judy hasn't really shown full-time that he can do it at that level yet, so that's why he got the bump for me to be the top guy on that team. At number 29, a player near and dear to our hearts, Chase Claypool, Pittsburgh Steeler. He had a small breakout-ish little period last year, won a few weeks for some people. Uh, I had him at 28, and so did you. The experts had him down at 30. He actually finished at number 23 on the back of some of those boom games last year. And uh, for Claypool, we saw the potential last year. And when he gets the ball in his hands, he was actually one of my favorite players to watch last year. But I just don't see the consistent enough target volume to make him a high-impact option. Um, the way that I have it projected out, Deontay Johnson is going to be the target leader, the reception leader, and the yardage leader on this team. Najee Harris is going to play a big role in the offense right off the bat. Um, they've got the big three wide receivers, and Claypool's going to have big weeks, but I personally don't want to be the one trying to predict when those might come. Well, I'll tell that to Mike Bednar, because ever since Claypool had four touchdowns in a week, I've been sending him nonstop offers to trade for this guy, and he won't. It's, I'm like, I'm showing so much interest that Bednar thinks I'm keeping a secret, or I know something he doesn't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I love him too, but uh, like you said, there's so many mouths to feed there, and, and not enough volume to, to make him all worthy. Uh, number 30 is a guy who had a breakout rookie campaign last year. It's T. Higgins of the Cincinnati Bengals. He uh, finished last year at number 26. This year, obviously, with Jamar Chase coming into the picture, it uh, can kind of limits his ceiling and, and the amount of volume and targets he's going to see. But I still think he's going to be a fantasy viable you know, WR2. Uh, you had him at 31. I got him right here at 30. The experts have him at 26. I keep seeing on social media people are saying T. Higgins' season is about to come and, you know, stop, you know, salivating over chase when t higgins is going to be the real wr1 on this team but uh it sounds like burrow has some weapons t higgins showed it last year with uh they had a connection with burrow right out of the gate and if they can build on that for year two uh higgins could easily be a lot higher on this list yeah no for sure he could move up i kind of uh the way i kind of saw it was t higgins owners probably felt a lot like james robinson owners during the nfl draft weekend like you you came into the preseason just thinking i've got a guy who showed it last year and now it's go time and instead your uh their team just broke your heart and and basically drafted a better version of them uh to replace them so um, I didn't have much T Higgins. I think I had him in one league, um, where I could have kept him and I'm not sure what I'm going to do right now. I've got a couple trade talks going on, but, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he could move up this list, but, uh, I don't really agree with the people who are calling for the, the year of T instead of the year of chase. 
At number 31, we have Robbie Anderson, who is, uh, he's reunited with a ghost from his past. His new quarterback is his old quarterback. Uh, what's What was old is new again, right? I had him at number 29, so I was actually quite a bit higher than you. You had him at 35. The expert consensus was right in the middle at 33, and he finished at number 17 last year. So... The reason why I'm a little bit higher is he was heavily targeted last year uh, when he got to Carolina playing with Teddy Bridgewater, and he performed well when he, when, uh, when he saw those targets. Now, part of that for sure was the offense had to change. They had no Christian McCaffrey, but, you know, we talked about it. Mike Davis filled in admirably or as admirably as he could for a guy that no one expected to see the field all year. Um, but now... It's funny because when he left New York, there was some a little bit of negative talk. There were a few shots taken, mostly at Adam Gase and the system that they were playing under in New York, but a little bit at uh, at Darnold uh, getting him the ball. But now all of a sudden I'm hearing that uh, Anderson is saying he doesn't even recognize Darnold anymore. Like since he's gotten to Carolina, he has more swagger. He has more confidence. He just has this kind of leadership that's taking over the room. Um, and in their workouts, they've been, they've been connecting the way that they had in the past. So I think I know, I think I can put a name on it, what he's talking about, that newfound, uh, aura around him. It's called playing for somebody not named Adam Gase that, uh, we've seen it happen to a lot of players in the past, including Anderson himself. But, uh, yeah, I like, I like the setup here. Anderson's another guy who could easily move up this list. Um, you have no Curtis Samuel, so it's Anderson and DJ Moore. You've got a healthy CMC, you know, taking 11 sets of eyes with him everywhere he goes. Uh, Sam Darnold has an opportunity to kind of revive things, put his career, get it off of life support. And, uh, if he does, Robbie Anderson's going to be a big part of that. No more ghosts. That's uh, successful. <laughs> I ain't guy. afraid of no ghosts. Quarterback's not seeing ghosts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so let's rip through the last few names here, buddy. We got uh, quite a few to cover, but uh, man, Houston Texans still have a team in the NFL. They still have quarterbacks and running backs and receivers and everything. And uh, one of them actually appeared on our list. Number thirty-two is Brandon Cooks. They're WR one. You've got him at thirty-three. I have him at thirty-two. Experts at thirty-six. Last year he finished at twenty-eight. I'm not going to spend too much time on the Texans. They're going to be losing a lot. They're going to be throwing a lot, and they have to throw it to somebody. I think it's going to be Brandon Cooks. This guy quietly puts up 1,000 yards basically every year he's in the league. Um, yeah, so that's the situation there. I don't love him, uh, but it's just based on volume and the fact that they're going to be a horrible team that's going to be throwing almost every down. Yeah, without Deshaun Watson there, you can't rely on the targets. But uh, like you said, I don't think there's been a player in football history who's changed teams and just put up the same production every single year the way that Brandon Cooks has over the years. But uh, yeah, moving on here, number 13, another Pittsburgh Steeler. We got Juju Smith-Schuster, or sorry, not 13, 33. Yeah, sorry about that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, my eyes are going crossed. Um, I had him at 32, you had him at 34. Uh, The experts were right where I had him at 32, and he finished last year as a wide receiver 18. And so kind of like what I said with Chase Claypool, um, I think that Deontay Johnson just leads the receiving core. I think he's the primary target. He gets over the drop issues from last year. Um, Juju's going to play a very important role for this football team and for their success. He's going to be uh, steady production and, and obviously going to score some touchdowns. But I think there's just too many people taking away from his ceiling Um, he'll be more reliable target wise than Claypool, but I don't see the explosive upside that Claypool has. And so with so many mouths to feed, 
um, in this offense. It just kind of limits where he's going to be able to go this year. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of a very similar situation for our next uh, wide receiver. Number 34 is Tyler Boyd, the third Bengals uh, wide receiver we've listed on today, actually. Uh, So he's at number 34 on the list. You have him at 35. I've got him a little lower at 37. The experts have him right here at 34, and he finished number 33 last year. Uh, He had a nice connection with Joe Burrow last year out of the slot, and uh, I kind of expect the same to happen. I just don't think the ceiling's very high with Higgins and Chase on the outside and with uh, a healthy Mixon in the backfield. So uh, he'll have some nice games, but I don't think he'll get you, you know, these multiple touchdown and week winner, league winner type games. It's going to be a nice safe floor um, that you can kind of rely on as your WR three or four. Yeah, absolutely. A good, you know, player to have around to plug in in case of injury or bye week, but not somebody who you're uh, probably targeting too hard in your trades. All right, at number 35, this is a guy that last year people were definitely targeting in their trades, but uh, he wasn't really around enough to enjoy it. That's Debo Samuel. We mentioned him earlier in the show. Um, I had him at number 34. You had him a little further down at 38. The expert consensus had him right where we did at 35. And last year, again, because of injury, he finished as the wide receiver 93. Um, The talent is there. The talent is obvious. There was a lot of excitement last year about what Debo could do in this offense. But uh, you know what they say, the best ability is availability. And he's missed 10 games over his first two seasons. Um, and I, I honestly get the feeling that Brandon Ayuk has kind of surpassed him in Shanahan's mind and, and what he showed last year that he could do. And so now I think Ayuk is going to be the primary wide receiver. Kittle's going to be the focal point of the passing attack and Samuel's going to, um, you know, serve a good purpose for his team, but, uh, be kind of a distant third in production and in fantasy relevance. Yeah. I mean, he does get some rushes as well, but the, the, the vibe I get from Debo is like he's just so so explosive like I almost feel like he's too explosive he's too you know fine-tuned <laughs> and tight like he's just like you, know, you put the ball in his hand he's off like a blink of an eye like I kind of I just thought of this now but he's, he reminds me of I mean you know my dad used to take me to the drag races back when I was younger and sometimes cars would be so souped up that when they popped off the line and the light went green like the back tires would break right off an axle because mm-hmm. everything is so powerful and so explosive and I kind of get the same vibe from Debo Samuel it's like at any moment he could take it to the house but he also feels like he could pull something because he's so tight I don't know it's just the vibe I got I love watching him but like you said he can't stay on the field so uh, it's <laughs> tough to trust him I like that. Uh, number 36 is a guy I've got high hopes for. Um, he's a second-year wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. It's Jerry Judy. Uh, he was, I think, the second wide receiver drafted last year, ahead of Jefferson and ahead of some of the other big names who had better years. But uh, you've got him at 39. I've got him at 33. The experts have him at 37. Last year he finished at 51. <clears throat> Obviously the do- the drops have been well-documented. Uh, the dicey quarterback play is well-documented. Uh, but the talent is there. This guy can separate and get open. If you can get the drops under control, I think he can take a step into WR2 and then eventually WR1 territory because uh, the talent is absolutely there. Jerry, your quarterbacks, woof. All right, number 37. We're getting close to the end of the list here. We've got Curtis Samuel in his new home in Washington. I had him at 37. You had him one spot higher at 36. The expert consensus rank was 39. And last year in Carolina, he finished as the wide receiver 27. He has so much talent, and I love the landing spot. I love that the coach who brought him in originally in Carolina, 
Uh, Ron Rivera brought him over to Washington. He knows what he's all about. He wanted him on the team. He's a good complement for Scary Terry on the other side. The only thing I don't know is what his role is going to be. Is he going to be like a straight wide receiver too? Is he going to be kind of like a Tavon Austin role where he does some receiver work and some gadget play and some rushing? Um, Who's his quarterback going to be? We talked about it last week. There's a little bit of a rumble for Taylor Henneke uh, coming out of minicamp there. Um, I just think, you know, you've got McLaurin, you've got Gibson, you've got McKissick. Um, and you've got that defense, Washington, they might take a bit of the same approach as Cleveland where, you know, they, they do things through the defense and through the running attack, and then they complement it with the passing game. And if they do that, the primary guy for sure is going to be McLaurin. Um, Samuel's going to have lots of opportunity. He's going to, he's going to be open, I think, because of the threat of rushing, because of the, uh, threat of McLaurin on the other side, but I don't think he's going to get dished the ball enough to be like a high, high level uh, wide receiver. I think he's perfectly fine as a wide receiver three with upside, but uh, yeah, it's, I'm excited to see what those two are going to do. I can't believe I'm excited for Washington football, but it's like one <laughs> of the top five teams I'm following this year. Like their defense is so exciting and yeah, tons of exciting playmakers on offense, Samuel included. I, I like that one a lot. All right, here we are, number 38, DJ Chark. You have him at 43, way down at 43. I've got him at 31 with the experts, and uh, last year he finished number 40. So maybe we'll start with you and why you have him so far, so much farther down than all the experts in the world. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? First of all, I think I've shown over uh, to, our, to our two dozen listeners that I am much smarter than every other football expert. So that's right there should be enough, but just in case it's not... Um, this is as far apart as we've ever been on like anything, and I hate it. Um, no, honestly, man, it's just a couple of years ago when he had his, uh, you know, he had a thousand yards, he had eight touchdowns, and it, I even had him on a couple teams, and I had Gardner Minshew on a couple teams, and it was it was fun, right? The Minshew magic was fun, but I just didn't really see it when I watched Chark play. I didn't see this guy who was like blowing me away and also showed like he had a lot more to do. And uh, I didn't love him coming into last year the, the way that everyone else seemed to love him. I didn't, I don't know why I just didn't have the same feeling as I get with other, you know, guys who I think are about to break out. I didn't get as excited when he got the ball in his hands like I do with other players. Now looking at the Jags, it's a totally new coaching staff, totally new front office. You've got LaVisca Chenault coming off of his, you know, little mini breakout last year. They brought in the veteran Marvin Jones. Uh, Jones decided that, you know, his resume wasn't strong enough having played for the Bengals and the Lions. So he wanted to add the Jaguars to the mix uh, to really uh, round things out. Chark is going to be part of it. He's going to get targets, but Jones is going to get targets. Chenault's going to get lots of targets. Travis Etienne's going to get lots of targets. And here's the thing, when you immediately have your head coach, the guy in charge of rebuilding this whole team, and he says, I don't like the way you play and you're not tough enough, that's just like a red flag to me. They're going to give him his little bit of a chance, but I think that the ball is going to get spread around too much. I think that this year we know nothing about this team. There's nothing carrying over basically except for LaVisca Chenault, who even that is like based on a, a sketchy rookie resume. 
Um, I just, I just don't want a big part of it and I can't buy in at, at Chark where other people are going to be taking him. Well, for me, it's not so much buying Chark as much as it's buying Trevor Lawrence and the generation and all that jazz. I mean, I obviously, I have him on my roster in the league of extraordinary gentlemen. I traded for him out of desperation last season because of injuries and performance I didn't, uh, like, and I kind of was chasing the ceiling I saw the year before, but you mentioned it. I mean, it was Garner Minshew, it was Jacob Luton, it was Kyle Faulkner throwing in the ball the last two seasons. <laughs> he wishes. So I think, yeah, it's a huge improvement at quarterback, and I think Chark, I mean, the coach speak with Urban saying you're, you're playing small and you're a big body. I think the timing of it was perfect. It's really, really early in training camp, and I think once the Jaguars start their actual, or off season, and once the Jaguars start the training camp this week, we're going to hear reports of Chark looking amazing. And, and I agree, if he doesn't show it right away, then Urban Meyer is going to move on. He's not invested in this guy at all, but I believe that Chark will show it, and I think Lawrence will get the best out of him. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. So I'm with you on Lawrence. I believe in Lawrence, but in the way that I look at this, I think that LaVisca Chenault is going to end up emerging as the number one wide receiver by the end of the year. So, Jeff, I had a little idea. What do you say? Jaguar sandwich bat? <laughs> well, yeah, who, I think I know where this is going. But who's going to finish higher this year? I'll give it straight up to you. LaVisca Chenault or DJ Chark? So this is just total points. Yep. Half PPR. Yep. I don't, I don't know if I want to do that bad. <laughs> oh. I drafted him last year. And then I... <laughs> okay, I'll do one with you, too. <laughs> yeah, let me pick one. Um, yeah, for the sake of the show, let's do it. Sandwich bet. It's on. Sandwich bet. Make it I'll so. Think... I'm writing it down. All right. While you're writing that down, we got two more names to get through here real quick. At number 39, we have Will Fuller. I had him at 36. You were a little lower at number 40. The expert consensus was number 38, and uh, last year he finished as wide receiver 25. Um, He's in a new spot. He's in Miami, um, still serving, I think, one more game of his suspension. I kind of doubted Fuller when he first came on the scene, um, but... You know, he just kept showing he's got that home run ability. I kind of like the trio, not love, but like the trio of uh, Will Fuller and Parker and Waddle there in Miami. So the question is Tua. I'm not a huge lover of Tua, but I think if he can pass the ball competently and keep his cool, that this offense is going to have some success. And I think Fuller is going to get his opportunity to break loose. Well, we shall see. Just keep your head in the game and not getting all the other offseason stuff and stay healthy. Number 40 is a guy you mentioned earlier. He's a rookie Heisman winning wide receiver, Devonta Smith now in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts and co. Uh, You've got him at 38. I have him at 41. The experts have him right here at 40. This guy shows he's like next level in college, but he's not big. He's not, you know, he's not as big as your typical WR one. So there were some question marks there. Uh, Jalen Hurts takes a step in the passing game. Smith could have a nice year, but I got to see it before I invest in that passing game whatsoever. So uh, that's why he's at number 40. Perfect, buddy. Wow, we did it. I cannot believe it. 40 wide receivers that are laid out for you, Falcomaniacs, so you know you know who you like and who you don't like. So real quick from this week, we had number 21 was Cooper Cup, 22, Tyler Lockett, 23 was Kenny G, 24, Brandon Ayuk, number 25, Adam Thielen, 26 was Jamar Chase, 27, Odell Beckham Jr., 28 was Cortland Sutton, 29 was Chase Claypool. Number 30 was T. Higgins. 31, Robbie Anderson. 32, Brandon Cooks. 33 was Juju. 33, Juju. Yeah, 34, thank you. Tyler Boyd. <laughs> 35, Debo Samuel. 36, Jerry Judy. 37, Curtis Samuel. 38, DJ Chark. And a sandwich. 39. 30- 
nine was Mr. Will Fuller, and number 40 is Devonta Smith. Thanks, buddy. All right, let's grip it and rip it. We got to get to the two-minute drill here. It's time for the Fantasy Falcon Football two-minute drill. So this past week, Jeff, I don't know if you've seen any of this, but I watched on YouTube the first uh, the kind of mini trailer and behind the scenes look at the movie American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. Have you seen this? I haven't. No. Oh, man. Check it out. It's coming out this December, apparently that, you know, the the grocery store bagger to arena football to Super Bowl champ. Uh, the, the story was made for the big screen and now it's coming. So our question for you is. What football player's life would you most like to see made into a movie? Like, would you line up for The NeverEnding Story Part 4, Frank Gore? Maybe you'd like to be at the midnight showing of Fast Times at Manziel High. I know I'd make time for Step Brothers 2, Manning versus Manning, but uh, I want to know, we want to know, which player's biopic would you most want to see? What's that one with um, Dave Chappelle and... Uh, Jim Brewer and oh, uh, half Josh eight. Gordon, half yeah, eight, so Josh Gordon, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that worked out. The guy on the couch. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, uh, you know what? I'm actually going to think about that for a week because it's a super fun question, and we'll give our answers next week. But uh, before, before we wrap up this episode, Falcomaniacs, we want to hear from you once again. You can reach out to us on email at fantasyfalconfootball at gmail.com. DM us or respond to us on Instagram stories at Falconmaniacs or leave us a voicemail using your the link in the show description. As well as you know, you can always reach out to us uh, with any fantasy questions, whether you're draft keeper questions, trade advice, whether you like or not happy with what we're doing here, uh, anything. Just reach out to us and we'll be glad to, to get back to you as that. And speaking of help, we need some from you. If you're a regular listener or brand new to the show, please remember to hit that subscribe button, rate and review, and most importantly, share and recommend us to anyone you know who loves fantasy football and have fun. We're having fun here. I don't know about you, buddy. I'm having a blast. Oh, yeah. Um, and as we mentioned it off the top, we sure make sure you to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Falcon Maniacs. Hit the like uh, and share on our posts. We want to see the fantasy Falcon football hype train keep picking up steam as the preseason approaches. Tomorrow, kickoff camps is tomorrow man i'm so excited um you know what i think we're releasing this on thursday so it's actually yesterday um <laughs> but yeah we can't wait for it and i'm so excited for the season to come i'm so excited to see what the season two of our podcast brings and thanks so much to the falcon maniacs for listening have a great week and don't forget to set your falcon lineups Woo!